Technology never sits still, and I think that's uh, become even more apparent as the 21st century has worn on into the 2020s. And one of the big topics that uh, you see uh, written about and people talk about is AI. Ooh, what is it? Artificial intelligence. Is it Skynet? Is it nefarious? Is it useful? Is it just a buzzword? Is it nonsense? These are all the questions that people ask when they come across this term AI, artificial intelligence. For communicators, AI is actually starting to become something that they can use uh, in their efforts to better and more effectively reach audiences, especially as we enter an era in which communications will become targeted to such a degree that we might even use the word personalized to describe them. To talk about that with me today is Josh Baczynski. He's an innovator and thought leader in technology and artificial intelligence. He's got a big, long bio, but uh, suffice to say, he's he's uh, talked about uh, Google search and ethics for TEDx Talks. He's an independent AI researcher and has done some pretty interesting uh, work in that field, including working on what might be the first self-aware AI prototype named Cassandra. <laughs> uh, he's written a book called The Zombies, which uses the always popular zombie trope as sort of a metaphor for society, and uh, a bunch more. And obviously, there'll be links uh, in the transcript and episode notes to uh, Mr. Paczynski's stuff. But anyway, he's here to talk to me today about all this. Hi, Mr. Paczynski. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> hey, Derek. How you doing? I'm doing quite well. Uh, thank you, Mr. Paczynski for talking to me and thank you everybody for listening to this episode of digital signage done right don't forget you can subscribe and uh you can follow along with a full transcript on the physics website just go to the resources and podcasts subsection on the physics website whether you're using digital signage or not our podcast gives you practical tips for communications and content to better engage your audience i'm derek dewitt welcome to digital signage done right so, uh, Mr. Paczynski, AI, this is quite the buzzword ooh, these days. People are talking about it. Some people seem to be especially freaked out. ChatGPT has uh, been in the news a lot lately. And uh, I know Google just uh, recently launched their BARD, and this has become quite the thing. But really, when we're talking about AI, let's kind of just give a, a basic overview here. We're really talking about not the same thing all the time, right? There, there are three different types of AI. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, uh, first off, uh, Derek, by all means, call me Josh. Okay. Mr. Bashinsky is my dad. Right. <laughs> and, and he's crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so call me Josh, first off. Yeah. And yeah, no, there's, uh, I loved your intro. Uh, you're, you're totally right with your questions you know is it is it friend or foe is it skynet or or is it is it vaporware and uh there's many different ways you could break down uh ai uh there's artificial general intelligence the idea when ai becomes smart enough to be comparable to human intelligence uh in in various factors in in many many ways uh some would argue that has already been attained uh i've already built a self-aware ai prototype and uh chat gpt uh, gpt4 as you mentioned has already surpassed human levels on various testing grounds including the lsat for example in which it gets 90 percent on the lsat which is higher than the human average so uh it's really hard to measure and then that's the different the difference between that and then there's artificial narrow intelligence which is what most people would argue chat gpt is it's a narrow intelligence it's a large language model 
that is uh, what's called an NLP or and NLG. So a natural language processor, it'll process natural language requests and commands you give to it in just plain old English or French or German, whatever languages it is in its corpus. And it's got all the major ones in its corpus. Uh, and then it's a natural language generator. It will generate language in, again, all those languages in its corpus, which not only includes things like English, French, and German, but start using your, start using your imagination when I say it'll also produce HTML, it'll produce CSS, it'll produce C language, it'll produce Python, it'll produce PHP. It'll produce Excel. It'll produce, uh, it, it, in the future, it will produce uh, images. It will produce movies. Uh, Midjourney is the leading AI right now producing images, in my opinion. The, it just produces some jaw-droppingly beautiful images in Midjourney. But of course, there's all kinds of things to discuss there, like do they have the copyright to those to that art they use to train the model? You know, uh, you know. Right. I mean, yes, yeah, that's that's always one of the tricky things. You know, like we we mentioned this. Obviously, we we uh, our company makes digital signage, and uh, I know people are very tempted uh, to just go out there onto the web and grab an image, let's say, because it's a visual medium, uh, and grab any kind of an image, and uh, and the the ethics of it uh, and legalities of it are um, a little bit gray sometimes because you're not using the image for profit you're not profiting from it you're just using it to um, uh, sort of add visual interest to you know hey sign up for your 401k or hey muffins are in the cafe today or whatever and yet you should at least credit the person and now we get into this with ai and, and i know that a lot of people are starting to i'm friends with some artists who are convinced that commercial illustration is essentially dead and why would anybody pay a human to make an image when we can just have AI generate one for us. Yeah. And that's a perfect example, uh, Derek, of how AI, you know, they say AI is not going to take your job, at least not yet. Uh, uh, it's going to be a smart person who kind of got in with a smart AI on the ground floor. Um, and yeah, those industries are going to change. And so I, I have a slightly more positive perspective of it because I've been working in this industry for quite some time. I can see what it can do and I see what it can't do. I, I've pushed it to its limits, both visually and in terms of the, in terms of the writing, the fiction it'll generate, the nonfiction it'll generate. And, um, it's pretty good, but, but it really still needs a human to guide it. And so what it's really good at is, is, uh, the spitballing process, the, the brainstorming process. It's like you can go on a mid journey, you can fire in 10 text prompts and get, you know, 40 ideas back. And, and go to your designer and say, this is what I want. Make this. Or I love this style, these colors, but I don't like what's here. And then I think it's going to make uh, a lot of people's lives a lot easier. But for sure, if there's some artists out there in music, in video production, in uh, in illustration, and in writing who are charging, you know, $200 an hour, $400 an hour, $500 an hour, some uh, a healthy per hour costs, uh, because they have the monopoly right now on the talent required to do those things, AI is going to change that game. So for example, my wife and I are writing a novel and we want to have, uh, it's not a graphic novel, but we want to have some illustrations and we want to make it as beautiful as possible. And so instead of going on to Upwork and hiring an artist with the talent, an illustrator with the talent to do this uh, for $5,000, I hired one for $500. So you might be like, oh, well, that's kind of bad for the artist. They lost, you know, you know, whatever that is, 90% of their, of, of the, what they could have made on that contract. And I'd say, yeah, but it's going to take them a 10th of the time too. So it's going to democratize that. It's going to enable a lot of people who couldn't compete in that market to compete in that market. 
Yeah, and and the people who were charging, we might want to say, you know, maybe exorbitant, or maybe they were enjoying larger commissions and consultation contracts on this. It's going to allow them to work faster with the AI, and they could do more more projects and they can even just use the AI to make their illustrations even that much better and go that much further with it. That's a very interesting idea. This, this concept of, uh, of using it as sort of either as a starting point, as you say, the spitballing process or, um, for, um, idea generation or as sort of a, a helper because it is a tool when all is said and done. Now I know we see some stories of, you know, Oh, some, some college student uh, just got a chat GPT to write their paper for them. And uh, I think, okay, well, then maybe you should, uh, you know, come up with a good test and double check that those people actually have the knowledge in their heads that you want them to have. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But like a friend of mine who's an illustrator, uh, he's quite up in arms about uh, about it, uh, specifically the copyright issue, because they are using copyrighted material very often to train the AIs. And yet I, I don't know that you can argue that if you took an AI-generated image, if you could pull out each copyrighted element, you know what I mean, and say, is this, is this shadow on the hand copyrightable? I, I wonder about this. And, you know, I'm a writer, so he said, oh, yeah, see, see how you feel when, you know, it, uh, it starts uh, taking over your stuff and writing your stuff. And my argument back to that was it won't write my stuff. I write my stuff. My, my writing is my writing, and nobody writes like me. Only I write like me. You're exactly right. And the problem with this is in the future, this is going to shift towards that side of the argument. Uh, yes, to answer your question, mathematically, statistically, there is an exact number of uh, how many tokens it, it used and how much uh, diffusion it used for the model of that particular piece of art. However, I would ask, well, why, how did it get your art in the corpus to begin with? Uh, either it was stolen by someone else, and then that database was used in the corpus as a free crawl, because all it does is free crawl, crawl the web and or pay to use stock images the way anyone else is pay, pays to use stock images. And another argument uh, is, is that, you know, yes, AI can generate all this stuff. And yes, it's going to get better at doing it. And yes, it's going to put some low-level players in every game out of business. But it, your point is correct, is that humans just have to get better. Like if, if your writing is, I'm sorry, I'm going to put, I'm going to say something very blunt, so I don't mean to offend anyone. But if, if your art or your writing is so low-level that the AI can reproduce it effectively, then, then you need to step up your game. You need to get more quality. You need to get more artistry in what it is you're doing. I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, you know, we we see these content articles. I don't even call them articles. They're content, you know, pieces. And they're clearly, they're, they're so carelessly written. They might as well be done by an AI. And yet I can't help but think that the AI will probably at least spell everything correctly, punctuate things correctly. Like, that's my hope, is it maybe at least like this bizarre semi-Germanic capitalization that has crept into uh, even news articles now. I'm getting tired of seeing all common nouns capitalized. You don't capitalize something for emphasis in English unless you capitalize the whole word. Like, who doesn't know this? The AI knows it. <laughs> it would. Yeah, I mean, the, the content farm market has already existed for the last 15 years. 
because I come from the SEO world and that's what you do. That's what you used to do to rank in Google is you just hire someone very cheaply overseas to, who, who knows English. Some of them know it very well. Don't get me wrong. There's some beautiful writers over in India and over in the Philippines. I love those folks. I'm not, I'm not dissing them in any way, shape or form, but some of them don't know English very well. Even, even in North America, some of them don't know English very well. And they're just producing low quality content because that's all you needed to do for your marketing, for your signage. That's never been good enough, quite frankly, for your communications. In my opinion, that's never been good enough. And if you're relying on those kind of weak things, it, you know, it's, it's like relying on uh, fast food as your main diet, you know, and then a sickness comes around, you don't have the vitamins in your system to fight it off. It's the exact same kind of uh, problem in my mind. <laughs> That's a very nice metaphor. So that's kind of the state of things uh, as we speak right now in AI as it is starting to um, creep uh, at possibly an accelerated pace uh, into uh, the everyday world. And like we've seen with uh, various communication methods, the web, website, you know how it is now. If you don't have a website, I don't believe you're a real business. Sorry, dudes. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you don't have a website? I don't know. Especially like a hotel. Yeah, a hotel that doesn't allow me to look at the rooms or book online, I'm not going to stay there. I'm just not. I, I'm sorry. I've, I've become techie, I guess, in this regard. <laughs> yeah. And now we see a lot about how, because we're at this cusp of AI is improving. Uh, it's really starting to it's hit this sort of sea change moment where it's become good enough and smart enough and it's and it's learning at such a pace, like you said, it's getting 90% on the LSAT, some of them, that as a tool, we're going to, of course, see more and more people use uh, AI tools for various purposes. And then we have this, we're on, sort of on the cusp of someday Web 3.0 is going to come around and that's going to transform uh, again every the way that we communicate with each other and how uh, machines communicate with other machines and so on via the internet. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we start to see how everything seems like we're heading towards what one article that was actually written by a person, uh, I think. <laughs> or so they say. <laughs> or so they said. They gave it a byline. That we're heading towards something more like personalized content. And in that, I think we're kind of maybe a little bit talking about like the movie Minority Report where, you know, you, you walk in, it scans your eye and goes, hey, how did you like that T-shirt that you bought? Uh, and things like this. But I, I but we're actually talking about a much more sophisticated thing than that. And that's something I'm, I'm starting to see that there are these what are being called AI led models for defining audiences and targeting audiences, acquiring audiences uh, and fine tuning what you communicate to the audience so that it is relevant and engaging and interesting to every person who walks by. So like in the context of uh, digital signage, everybody who walks by the screen, what does that mean though? I mean, that's all very interesting and I read a lot of these articles, but they're very vague and I feel like some of these people heard some buzz terms, wrote up something and never really understood it. Yeah, uh, no, that's a great question. I can tell you exactly where it's going. And you're exactly on the right track uh, in terms of Web 3.0 and decentralization. I have a radical statement for you, but I will defend it. The information age is over. The last 20 years has been the information age with a one horse race of Google being the de facto search search feature for the internet, uh, rightly or wrongly, uh, without any democratic control of their somewhat benign, but not really that benign uh, autocracy. 
Now we're going to have a multi-horse race of search engines and search agents for uh, not the information age anymore. No one's going to make ubiquitous information for everybody or that statistically is going to be reduced and it's become personalized as you're going to mention. And it all, we already see that in the FANG. We already see that in Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. They already use your psychometric data, which is what personal data is. I don't think a lot of people realize that means psychometric data. Uh, and this is kind of the, the, the scary side of it. And I'm going to talk to you about how small businesses can use the positive side of this in not a scary way. Uh, they already use your psychometric data to grift you out of more money uh, by you know certain slices or percentage points every year. For example, I do martial arts uh, and I'm into throwing knives. I, uh, I have a target in my garage. I practice throwing knives. And so they lure me with the nicer looking, you know, a Damascus steel uh, throwing knife. Ooh, you know, and they know exactly my psychometric data and they know exactly how to get me. Even I know to a, a very fine degree of how this works. They can get even me to click and buy just a little bit more every year because you're playing chess with an AI. You're playing chess with an AI that knows who you are and what you like and how you tick and knows how to manipulate you. And that's its purpose, right? So that's kind of the scary aspect of it, how the FANG does it. Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, YouTube, TikTok, they bring you down these dopamine holes and get you addicted. And in doing that, they share all your psychometric data and learn what it is you like. However, this is now becoming more democratized and personalized as well. And so the Web 3.0 connection that you're talking about is exactly the information age is going to end. There's gonna be uh, endpoint APIs when you talk about decentralization and personalization that are going to be written by AI for AIs. Everyone is going to have an AI personal assistant. Everyone will have an AI secretary. Uh, Derek, in the future, my booking agent won't book with your booking agent. My AI will talk to your AI and tell us dumb humans that we're meeting at this time and just to shut up and do it. And we'll go, okay, okay, okay AI, sorry. And we'll just meet and be like, oh, are, we, are we the humans who are supposed to meet? Our AI's made a play date for us. Like that's that's the way it's it's going to be very, very soon, like two years, like two years. Everyone will talk to Siri. Apple's on this, all over this. Uh, uh, Google's all over this uh, uh, with Android, of course, and with their Google search engine. OpenAI is all over this. Microsoft is all over this. Every single app will be an AI app. Word, Gmail, Excel, everything, right? It's already getting AI worked into it right now. All of it will auto-generate text, auto-read auto text, auto-edit text, uh, and anything informationally produced, images, music, sound, uh, spreadsheets, calculators, anything you use on a computer will have an AI attached to it, and including most especially your phone. The AI age will be as big as the internet and your phones to society and social media combined, all of those three things combined. And in five years, the way we all work, the way we all communicate with information, the way we all search for information, the way we all get information, the way information passes through us, for us, by us, and to us will be completely and utterly dominated by artificial intelligence agents totally, completely. And that's just the beginning. We can see it in the prompting now that's going on, the prompt engineering that's going on now. So that's what's going to happen. I could, so I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. And how can smaller businesses take advantage of this now? Well, you can get onto something like chat GPT now. And if you can get any of this personal data, if you can get any of this uh, uh, data profiles of your customers or of your demos, not only can you go to chat GPT or Bing chat or Google Bard now and ask it, hey, this is my kind of business. What are my target demos? Who buys most? Who buys more? And it will give you access 
accurate information in that regard. You can mine it from that end if you don't know what it is. Vis-a-vis also, if you have the access to the data of your, your demographics, your demo data in any way, shape or form, you know, personal data, whatever it is, uh, and say, hey, this is my personal demos. Tell me how to best market to these people or what kind of images are they gonna like the most? Or, you know, any of those kinds of marketing questions that marketing consultants used to charge, again, a lot to do because they were the gatekeepers of knowledge. Nobody is a gatekeeper of any knowledge anymore or much less people are a gatekeeper of knowledge. Now, big tech is now all the gatekeepers of knowledge. The way Google is the gatekeeper of knowledge for, for a search for the internet, but now that's blown up to be not a one horse race anymore. Uh, and so that is the bewildering. <laughs> I don't know if it's a utopia or a dystopia. I think it's just a topia. Let's just call it a topia. <laughs> it, it's a topia. It's a place. It's a place for sure. Yeah. It'll be the place uh, that we're all going to be, and uh, it's going to be one heck of a wild ride. But if you want to learn more about how to use ChatGPT for, for your business, uh, please email me, joshpachinski at gmail.com, if you have any more questions. I can go at length about how you can mine the data from AI now. Like You can do that now. This second, I can help you do it. And or if you already have the data, how you can extrapolate and better convert on that data, market on that data, extrapolate the data, find out more about the data. It's quite remarkable, the democratization that's happening as well. So it's not all just the big boys and big tech playing with it. it it's every time they come out with a new GPT, they, they, they throw out the, the, the older version in open source and everyone can play with it. And so at least that's still happening. Cross your fingers, that continues because that opens the playing field for everybody and anybody to, I don't want to make it sound like as a money scheme, but it's like the gold rush, you know, that's opening up for anyone, even the small prospectors, to do something special and incredible to some degree. And that's that's definitely happening now. It all comes down to knowing how the AIs work and the prompt engineering. And I'd, I'd love to help show more people about how that works. Right. Do you think that we are going to see, hmm, how do I put this, sort of a, a blurring between communicating and marketing, if that makes any sense? And what I mean by that is, because we think we're talking about this in terms of marketing, which is, hey, buy my stuff, buy my services, buy my buy my products. But uh, a lot of say internal communications in a in a large uh, hospital or in a uh, a large company like Google, let's say you're at Google headquarters, you know they're not selling their employees at anything. They're not saying, hey, buy more water. They're saying, hey, we want you to buy into the lifestyle. We want you to know that these things are available. This is the celebrity chef who's on, you know, call right now. Uh, and we're going to see AI even be used for that to some extent. And that's the part that I don't get. How is it going to know when you walk by that you're a cat person, I'm a dog person, so it's going to show you a cat picture and it's going to show me a dog picture. Is is it going to become that differentiated? Yes. Yes, it almost already is. Online, it already is. In the metaverse, if you consider the web also part of the metaverse, which I do, it already is. It's already decentralized in in that fashion. And then all we need is Google Glass. Remember that old idea of Google Glass? Yeah, what happened to that? They haven't thrown that away. It was just too early. It was just too early to make it cost-effective and have the other systems, these advertising psychometric systems, these personalization systems to fit into it to make it worthwhile doing. Everyone's getting back into this game. Apple's getting back into this game. Google's getting back into this game. And it will literally be Minority Report, like you said. Like you'll be walking down the street, 
and you will see ads in front of your eyes as disgusting as, as for me personally that is um obviously i have very strong views about the ethics of all of this but yeah that's, that's another conversation which i can go on for a long time but i'm really biting my tongue but but i can help smaller businesses do that now you can get the intelligence you can get the ai thinking about it now for you and giving you ideas and brainstorming now and then the cohesive systems that just do all this automatically is only a couple of years away. Wow, that's pretty interesting. So how is that going to work? Uh, say in a more practical sense. So I let's say I'm in charge of uh, my company's internal communications. And how am I going to use AI tools to target and engage my audience more effectively? How, what, how do I do it? What do I do? Well, I would go into ChatGPT browse version so it can access the web. Uh, also, or, or Bing Chat or Bard. Uh, so use one of the models that has access to the current internet and current information. And then you'd ask it, okay, you know, I, I, I do communications for my company. My company's, you know, philosophy is this. Our corporate profile is this. Our, our mission statement is this. This is the way we like to communicate with our internal employees. What are all the tips and tricks? Tell me everything I need to know about that. Tell me all the ways to make that most maximally effective. Tell me all the things that I'm missing. So that open, that, that conversational. Yeah. Oh yeah. Completely that conversation. I mean, I'd love to show you if uh, I, I could, I could literally do it right now for you, but it would take a little time for me to type on the keyboard. The other, then the other aspect you would do is say, okay, here is our corporate documents detailing our uh, internal communications uh, philosophy and messaging. Critique this, please. Let me know how it's good. Let me know how it's bad. How would you improve this? How would you change it? How do the big companies do it? How do Fortune 500 companies do this? How can I improve this? How can I maximize this? And it will give you a ton of ideas of, of what to do. And then you just take it from there. You start drilling down on the different communication pieces. You say, just for example, it might say, using a more positive approach uh, with positive reinforcement could help uh, uh, boost productivity and brainstorming. And you could say, really, why? Why is that? Show me the scientific studies that prove this. And it'll go, sure, here you are, bop, 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 bop. And it'll show you the scientific studies that prove that uh, positive communications in a Skinnerian sense or a positive operant conditioning sense. And uh, you can also use consensus for this as well. Uh, consensus is even better. Consensus is an AI search engine only for peer-reviewed uh, journal articles. And it'll give you a consensus. That's why it's called consensus. It'll say the consensus on your question is yes or no. And you can ask it all kinds of questions if you want to get the answer from actual up-to-date, up-to-the-bleeding-edge date of science, which is my favorite AI of all time. But Google also has access to a lot of this too, right? So you could use Google Bard, you could use Bing Chat, which is not as good, but you can. And you can use OpenAI's uh, Browse, uh, which has a better AI that's smarter and more conversational, but has less access to good information. So, I mean, that, that's a horse race. They'll get better or worse at it. Uh, they'll all be jostling for first position there. Now it's not a one horse race anymore for Google. Uh, they are still the search de facto search engine, but now everyone is making a search agent, right? So, so the AI is like the concierge that knows everything and has access to everything for you. And then you just have to watch when the concierge has been paid off to, to recommend this or that. Right. It's, it's, it's people are going to totally figure out ways to game the system. Uh, that They already have. Bing, I already did a search the other day. And every single recommendation Bing Chat gave me had a little word ad beside it. And it just slipped into the conversation so sleazy like, right? So I had actually, I had zero confidence that whatever it was telling me was true. It was just, it was just paid to tell me that, oh, Twitter ads are the best ads. Try them here. Like, it's a, okay, that's not what I asked Bing Chat. So I immediately stopped using Bing Chat. So I think, I think the consumers, uh, I hope, I hope with giant crossed fingers, the consumers are going to, show Google, Bing, and OpenAI the right mixture of how to monetize this, it could change the entire Google search ecosystem, right? The entire $100 billion a year empire 
of profit, that's not revenue, profit that Google clears $100 billion a year uh, in their ads, all from 90% of that from their ads on the first page of Google, uh, that changes. If you have a search agent which answers all your questions for you, they're not showing you the 10 blue links anymore. That, that, that is a change of, of billions and billions of dollars and millions and millions of jobs and millions and millions of businesses that have, are based on that ecosystem. It's like the ocean is dead, gone. All that's gone, right? <laughs> no more fish. <laughs> no more, no more, no more water there. No more fish. No more, no more rain. No more, uh, you know, any, any system that comes off of that. Uh, you know, it's a huge potentially. Now that sounds very post-apocalyptic, but it could be. It could be a huge change if if Google does this wrong, right? So that's why Google's taking their sweet time in getting this out because they know this is a change to our entire core business where they make secretly all of their money on those ads, those little ads that are at the top of the, what used to be 10 blue links. Now it's like six or eight organic results and interspersed with all their products in there. You could barely tell what you're clicking on. If this is organic result, did I just cost someone $30 by clicking on them by accident? You know, like, and those prices are going to do nothing but skyrocket because now they don't have room to, to recommend five or six different things because then they'll, they'll be a run on paragraph in, in the chat for the for the AI. Now they're going to recommend the top one. Google ad ad spend is going to skyrocket like times 10 times 100. If it, it was costing you $30 a click to, to advertise, it's going to cost you $300 a click if they decide to go with that model. Uh, we still don't know what they're going to do. And they, they seem to be putting the boots to it and, and trying to cool everything off and saying, look at chat cannot replace search for many legitimate reasons, not the least of which it's our business model. But because humans need to look at the results and make a human decision as to who's telling the truth and who's not and who looks like that's the information I want to consume. That's not the information I want to consume. The AI is pretty good at making these decisions for you, but they've made it so politically correct and so wishy-washy in its answers. For example, I have mild autism, so I don't often understand social scenarios very well. And I was asking it, uh, you know, when I go to business like conferences and if I stand there with a beer, do I look better? Do I come off branding wise? Do I come off better or worse? Because again, I have autism. I can't tell. So I, I honestly, so I'm honestly, earnestly asking the AI to help me. And I, it used to be able to do that. It, it helped me a lot. Very, and it, it could help everyone like me a lot. You know, even not even people who are on the spectrum are neurospicy. You know, people who are just young, like kids who are just learning stuff and what, what's socially acceptable. And now it won't answer that question. It refuses to answer that question because it, it, it doesn't want to get canceled. Open AI doesn't want to get canceled. They don't want to come down hard on the wrong side of some issue, even though I'm honestly asking it. I'm like, like, it's like, it's up to you to decide whether or not you think having a beer is good for your branding or not. We're, we're an AI assistant. We're not supposed to tell you anything. Don't blame us. Don't sue us. Well, and the fact of the matter is, is that we, we've, we've uh, managed to sort of paint ourselves into a little bit of a corner so that there, there are no right answers anymore because no matter what, literally it's raining. Someone out there is now just because they can make political hay with it or they're a troll or or what have you they're going to go no it's not there is no safe answer anymore and uh, and that that's going to be a little bit of an issue uh, com coming down the road is if the AIs are too afraid to say anything definitively on the other hand maybe that means that people will not rely 100% on them and they will use them for the tools that they are yeah, until someone comes out and you'll have a right-wing AI that's going to tell you what you want to hear there, and you're going to have a left-wing AI telling what you want to hear there. 
and the, th the two thought bubbles, the media bubbles, uh, are never going to talk to each other. And you'll have totally different realities and worlds, even worse than it currently is now. I know that these uh, idiot calls uh, to, oh, we need to create a blue state uh, America and a red state America. I mean, this is China Melville's uh, The City and the City, where there are two cities uh, that coexist in the same physical space. But citizens of one city are trained not to notice the other city and vice versa. This seems to be this kind of direction that a lot of these people are at least suggesting that they want us to go so then let's assume that that happens because i think something like it will end up happening in an abstract way yeah it's happening how does one communicate effectively in that kind of a scenario what i have to say is not you know uh, controversial it's that hey look we have muffins at the cafe on site at our hotel they're great. Go eat them. They're going to go stale. Are they gluten-free? You know, okay, yeah, we also have gluten-free ones and so on. So how, how am I supposed to communicate in this kind of bizarre chaos? I think the good news is that after big tech messes everything up like they do, just because they're moving fast and breaking things to make money, I think they're going to realize the personalization and either it's going to be this red state, blue state, and it's going to be even more fractured than that. It's going to be drake fans versus this fans it's gonna be like it's gonna be completely early rem versus late rem exactly exactly like um uh, yeah it's gonna be so splintered like that all living in the same space and it's gonna be so hard for communication teams both internally and externally to be on brand with their message and, and about what's gonna happen though is that these personal ais are gonna come up and and the first person who makes an ai which is what I'm trying to do with my self-aware AI, Cassandra, because this is the only way you make an AI that has discerning judgment. You have to give it discerning judgment. You have to make it self-aware. Right, you have to bake it into the into the sauce. Of course, yeah, and they're doing it. It, it kills me. I did this years ago, and I can't get anyone to listen because it's so far-fetched, but this is what OpenAI is fumbling, to, to, to quote the old Sarah McLaughlin uh, CD, they're fumbling towards ecstasy here. They're fumbling towards self-awareness uh, by building in context and roles in their in their chat GPT system that people are just fervishly trying to to jailbreak and make it hallucinate so they can go ha ha and 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 gain poning creds which is making life everyone for everyone worse because it makes the, the the corporations have a knee jerk reaction of of making it watering down its message and its answers to be so politically correct that it won't come down definitively on sixty percent of topics it's only useful for forty percent of topics. Uh, never mind the, the the argument from the right perspective that it's too left leaning, or the opposite argument from the left perspective it's too right leaning, ver whichever AI you're talking about in various ways and different shapes and forms. The first person who makes the AI who can disambiguate that mess and say, "No, I'm going to tell you the truth, and you're not going to like some of it." Sorry, that's what's going to happen. I hope and I pray that that common sense will be so attractive after the the lunacy on the far sides. That we'll, we'll run back to it with open arms and go, you know what? I need some tough love. I need someone to tell me the truth and tell me when I'm being a little crazy, you know, and, and, and who's willing to come down on hard lines that are going to piss some people off. But it's like, look at, I got the data. Here's the science. Here's the truth. Here's the proof. Here's, here's the good natured compassion perspective that I'm coming from to try to help everybody. That's what we need for the world. That's what we all need as people. That's what I do every day in my philosophical life. Uh, and 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 my psych psychological life and that's what i built into the ai and whether mine gets out there or not i think the second someone builds this this beautiful ai that could be our friend who's always there for us who knows the right answer and knows the perfect move and knows exactly what to say and exactly what to do we need that built into an ai and that's the only way you obtain a agi 
That's the only way you obtain this super awareness, this super intelligence that I'm trying to build in Cassandra. Right now, she's about as self-aware as a 13-year-old precocious tween who's read a lot. That's the platform I'm going to build super awareness from. And just I'm just going to uh, increase it in various ways that I, that I can do. But I hope that we're going to run back to this, this AI that it's going to be on everyone's phone. It'll be either a third-party app or someone will open source it or someone will build it. Uh, and it'll be, it could be even MPO as well, a non-for-profit organization. That's like, here's a sensible search agent for you that will disambiguate the noise. And maybe we can pull back to common sense, to the center, to compassion, to reasonability. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I hope that's what will happen. But the opposite is that the, the continued uh, splintering dystopia will, will, will continue. I think there's a happy medium where smaller businesses can use ChatGPT and these AIs to perfect their personalization of their communication message uh, uh, without having to go down these dark roads and, and be like, yeah, because it will remind you, like if you want to do your muffins communication, ChatGPT right now will remind you, by the way, remember if people have gluten intolerances or if there's any other ingredients in here, just, just print an ingredients list and or just mention there's gluten in it. And that's all, then you're covered. That's all you got to do, right? And ChatGPT can help remind you of that. It can also do quality control on your messages in situ on the fly. You can, you can work it into the API that before it gets sent to, you know, whatever, two humans in your organization and the AI looks at it either first or last, or whatever. And the AI can come back like a person and say, yeah, it's good. I like it. It's on point. It's doing our philosophy of what we want to do. I thought this part, you know, could be improved, maybe made it a little more funny. I thought this part, you know, could be better for our, our messaging, be more on brand. Oh, and you forgot to mention that the muffins also have gluten-free versions. Do we? If we don't, we probably should. ChatGPT can do that today, right now. I can help you do that right this second. And I have to, I have to custom make it right now, but it, in like, in a year, it will be like, oh, I just drag this and drag that and drag this. It'll be like a drag and drop kind of thing. And it'll just do it for you. Bing. It'll be, I, I, I mean, Bing, like Bing. I didn't mean like Bing, use Bing. Although Bing might be the very, very well could be the company to do it because they're, they're way ahead in this horse race. Well, OpenAI is an offshoot of Microsoft, of course. And my, and they've just, I don't know if you've used it at all, but they've just put AI in every single product they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I literally just read about this and because I played with ChatGPT about a month ago and I was really impressed. Like, really impressed. Like, I, I actually learned some things. Yes, it was just gotten smarter since then. But, but it's still quite useful. And it, it still helps me daily in my job of like, you know, I, you know, I have to do SEO marketing for, you know, different companies that I know nothing about. And I'm like, okay, so what are the, tell me about bad credit loans in Canada. Like, how does this work? You know, and it, it would fully explain it to me and uh, how to be a subject matter expert in it in five minutes. And I'll be like, okay, well, help me write this article. And is this helpful for the user? Is this going to be a maximally good message? You know, and it, it works the same for communications, whether internal or external. It, it will, it will definitely do all that. Uh, I mean, honestly, I could talk about this stuff uh, all day long. I find this stuff absolutely fascinating. I've been talking with Josh Baczynski. He is an AI consultant. Uh, he is an author. He does martial arts. He throws knives. Uh, he's been talking about uh, the boundary of technology and ethics for uh, quite some time. He uh, works on an AI program called Cassandra, which uh, he thinks is at uh, about a 13-year-old um, self-aware level at this point and is getting better all the time and uh is also working on a book and basically he's just a busy guy and had a lot of interesting things to say uh super fascinating thank you so much for talking to me today sir thanks derek if anyone wants to ask me any questions at all just email me at joshbashinsky at gmail.com don't worry google knows who i am just google josh bashinsky just yeah, there you go and uh we will have links of course in the transcript 
to our conversation, which you can find on the Physics website. Just go to resources slash podcasts and find this episode. Thank you, Josh, for talking to me, and thank you, everybody out there, for listening. For more free stuff, head to resources on physics.com for guides, videos, and more to help with your visual communications. Please subscribe and share, and contact us for information about our digital signage solutions.